I said, are you ready? It's showtime, folks! What's good, y'all? It's your boy MJ Incredible, and welcome back to All Things Incredible. Today is the Wednesday Wrestle. And it is WrestleMania Backlash Predictions Day. I forgot that uh, pay-per-views this Sunday already. So, according to the Wikipedia page, at this moment of recording, there is six matches set up. So we're going to talk about them, and I'm going to give my quick predictions on them, and, you know, that's it. I imagine they add a match, maybe two, maybe do a pre-show match, but, uh, I don't know, we'll see. Anyway, so, Flair versus Rousey, yeah, like, how is there not, like, a Becky Lynch versus Asuka match? Anyway, alright, according to the six matches that are currently up on Wikipedia as of this recording... Flair versus Rousey, I quit match. Uh, honestly, don't care. I think Flair should win. I don't think Rousey should be champion at this moment. But, uh, you know. They might have her win. I don't know. I'm going to go with Flair, though. That's my final prediction. Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Seth freaking Rollins. I honestly feel like this should be more than a singles match. Like, this probably, I don't know, maybe a last man standing, or, I don't know, something. Something extra to it, but it's going to be a great match. Probably going to be match of the night. Uh, maybe AJ Styles versus Edge. Like, those are the only two matches I can see being match of the night. But, um, Seth has to win this one. He has to. If you want to keep this feud going then Seth has to win this one. Like, he really does. But we'll see. They'll probably have Cody win, because, you know, Cody can't really afford a loss, but if he loses to Seth, it's a different loss than, you know, just a, a nobody, you know what I mean? So, I'm going to say Seth, final prediction. Then we have the six-band tag, McIntyre, RK Bro versus The Bloodline. Uh, honestly, the bloodline has to win this. I, I don't see... If McIntyre and RK-Bro win this, then it's going to make the bloodline look really weak. Because the Usos has been getting bested week after week. And... You can't have Roman lose his first, you know, pay-per-view match after winning... At WrestleMania. It just... It can't happen. The Bloodline has to win. So the Bloodline. Styles versus Edge. If you want to keep the feud going, Styles should win. Um, but honestly, it doesn't really matter who wins. Uh, I think Styles should have won at WrestleMania, but they decided not to do that, so it is what it is. But uh, I'm going to go with Styles. Because I feel like it just has to happen. So, then we have Happy Corbin versus Metcalf Moss. Honestly, if this match gets put on the pre-show, I, it wouldn't bother me. Uh, I mean, I'll sit through it if it's on the live show or on the you know actual show. But it should be an okay match. Not like they're bad or anything like that. But I do feel like if Moss loses, it's going to hurt his momentum. But if Corbin loses, it also hurts his momentum. And they haven't really done much since he's been happy, Corbin. At least nothing of note, you know. Because they were stuck in that never-ending Drew McIntyre feud for the longest time. I don't know. I'm going to say Moss. Sure. Bobby Lashley versus Omos. Omos has to win this one. As much as I love Bobby Lashley and don't want to see him lose, but Omos has to win this, or else he's not going to be believable as a giant or just anything, you know? So, Omos has to win. Has to. 
All right. That's the predictions for WrestleMania Backlash from me, your boy MJ Incredible. So, that's that. All right. Up next, we have SmackDown April 29th. 2022 so stick around for that following that we got monday raw may 3rd 2022 and then we have following that we have wcw nitro february 12th 1996 and that's going to be the whole show today so i apologize if uh, i say anything different throughout the show but that is the final slate i did record this last so forgive me we got SmackDown from uh, April 29th, 2022. Starts off hot with a steel cage match. Uh, it's definitely a, a TV show steel cage match. It's, it's not like a outstanding cage match. It's definitely forgettable. Um, nothing spectacular happened. Uh, but both competitors are really good, so, you know, it was a good match. We had Sami Zayn and Drew McIntyre. Um, going back and forth a little bit. The commercials definitely altered the momentum of the match, and that's why it's kind of hard to watch, like, cage matches and Hell in a Cell matches on TV because it kind of, you know, ruins the momentum a little bit. But, nevertheless, it was a good match still. Uh, dumb finish. Not that the Claymore is dumb. Not that Drew shouldn't have won. Just the finish itself was stupid uh, because, in my opinion, steel cage matches should always be escape only steel cage matches should only be escape if you want to do pin submission and all that jazz then do a hell in a cell you know what I mean I don't know that's my personal opinion though I'm not a fan of when steel cage matches in and pinfalls there's like random and weird exceptions to that but none that are coming off the top of my head that's how rare it is for me to enjoy uh, a pin or a submission pinfall or a pinfall or submission in a steel cage unless it's a hell in a cell like I said but or a elimination chamber of course <clears throat> um, but nevertheless the match was fine besides that um, you find out later that that does end their feud which is I don't know I have some thoughts on that we'll talk about in a little bit. Next, we had Happy Talk. It wasn't that bad of a segment. Normally, I'm not a big fan of, you know, Corbin or anything like that, but he's actually kind of grown on me a little bit. Um, not to say I'm a fan, but I don't mind, you know, watching him. Like, uh, he's not that bad on the mic, and he's not that bad in the ring, so he's not a bad heel to have. I, I wish they would do something with him that would make him more of a heel, more of a believable you know, person or whatever, but they did a dumb finish at WrestleMania with Drew McIntyre kicking out at the end of days. Um, they should have, I mean, Drew winning was the correct move, but they shouldn't have had him kick out at the end of days. Because now it seems like Corbin doesn't really have anything to, like, really hang his hat on, saying that he's, they were saying he's undefeated since he became Happy Corbin, but that's no longer the case. In uh, the days was a protective finisher. That's no longer the case. You know what I mean? It's just kind of one of those deals. Now it's still protected because it's only happened once, but they wasted it on uh, a throwaway match at WrestleMania when uh, it could have been used for a, a serious feud. You know what I mean? But anyway, uh, Madcap Moss got the better of Corbin, of course. They, I mean, their match that they're gonna have. I, f I would find it hard to believe that Corbin comes out on top. I'm pretty confident Madcap Moss is coming out on top. At the very least, he's coming out on top throughout the feud. Uh, if I'm in charge, like, I'm not letting this feud go past WrestleMania Backlash, but they're probably going to push it. They might even push it to SummerSlam, which would be kind of unfortunate for both you know competitors, but it is what it is. Next, we had the, I believe it was the um, contract signing for the unification match. No, it was the Ricochet 
uh, versus Shanky IC title match. Not a bad match. Uh, good showcase for Shanky. Um, the way that he lost was kind of dumb. It actually kind of hurt. I feel like Shanky's care like gimmick and stuff like that. Um, they should have had Jinder Mahal go for a distraction or something and have him botch it and Shanky uh, pay the cost because of it. Like that would have made sense. But instead, he goes for an interference. He successfully hits the interference. But then Ricochet gets advantage again of a seven foot giant and does a roll up for a one, two, three. Not a good looking roll up either. Like that was kind of bad, but everything else in the match was pretty good as far as like in ring work goes. But then, you know, he goes for the one, two, three and gets it. Like that was a bad move. And then at the end of the match, Shanky gets mad at Jinder Mahal and they separate. Like, it was just bad. If the whole plan was to, you know, break up Shanky and Jinder, they should have had Jinder go for a distraction but end up costing Shanky the match because of it. Like, that would have made more sense, but it is what it is. We got what we got. Um, not a bad match, like I said. It's just the finish was a little weird. And then we got the contract signing. Um, you know, some jabs back and forth. Then a brawl breaks out. No big deal. Roman Reigns comes out. And then Drew McIntyre comes out. So, yeah, it's official. The Drew and Sami Zayn feud is over. Sami didn't even get a win. Didn't even look good during the feud, which was dumb. But it is what it is. Um, I don't know why they feel like we have to care about Drew versus Roman Reigns. They should have just been building this since WrestleMania instead of putting Drew versus Sami Zayn. Like, the build-up to WrestleMania Backlash is stupid. You were doing this unification title thing this whole time, and now, all of a sudden, it's going to be a six-man tag match? Look, I wasn't a fan of the unification in the first place, but this isn't a good replacement. Like, this is a bad book-up, or bad booking, a bad build-up, like, just a terrible job overall. Storytelling-wise. Now... It should be a good match. All six are good competitors. So, like, I'm not worried about the match from that standpoint. It's just, why should I care about it? You know what I mean? But, uh, it is what it is. I just feel like Sami Zayn was, like, you know, used for no reason. And it's a shame, because Sami Zayn... He was on fire last year. He, he can be on fire this year. He was on fire the year before. I mean, like, great talker. Great in-ring work. He should be in, like, the main event. But you're not using him that way. Not in a believable way, at least. Like, everybody pretty much assumed Drew McIntyre was going to win every single time the match was set. And that's not a good way to book your superstars. But it is what it is. Um, you know what? We actually might have had the Raquel Rodriguez debut match first. Doesn't matter. Don't, I don't care what order it came in. I'm just going off the top of my memory. So Raquel Rodriguez had her debut match against Cat uh, Cardoza. And uh, I got to say, Cat Cardoza looked great. Like, that match was good for her. It was not a good match for Raquel. I mean, Raquel won the match as she was supposed to, and, you know, it's supposed to be like a like a, a jobber match or an enhancement match, but I think the person that came out on top was Kat Cardoza, even though she lost. I mean, Raquel got the win as she needed to, yada, 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 but compared to her matches at NXT, this wasn't anything spectacular. Um, if anything, it was one of her, you know, least good matches, but... It was still a fine match. It was a good match for Kat Cardoza. Like, she looked great. Like, if I'm WWE, I'm signing Kat Cardoza. I liked Kat Cardoza. I wanted to root for Kat Cardoza. So, I don't think it was an effective enhancement match for Raquel Rodriguez. I like Raquel. I'm still looking forward to see what she's going to do, but, you know. This match didn't do anything good for her. And the, uh, the promo before, or, like, the interview before wasn't very good either. Like, I don't know. 
I don't know what character they're trying to have her do. Like, if they're trying to have her do the character she had in NXT, or if they're trying to change it. But they got to figure out uh, how to make her feel more comfortable speaking in her character role. Because it, it just comes off a little awkward when she's being interviewed by anybody backstage. doesn't matter who it is. Now, on to the most important news. No. Not yet. Because I got some thoughts about some things that happened. And I'm bummed out about it. But next we got the continuation of the New Day, Ridge Holland and Sheamus. This time it's Ridge Holland versus Xavier Woods. And the match is fine. Again, they're you know they're they're all good competitors, so it's not a matter of them putting on bad matches or not. It's just the story's played out, man. Like it's played out. You ruined the moment when they had a a squash match basically at WrestleMania when it should have been New Day winning instead of you know Sheamus and Ridge Holland, but they ruined the moment. And now they're trying to salvage it by having Xavier Woods continue to win with the Backwoods. But it's just not working. Like, at all. But, I mean, that's just my opinion on it. You know, other people might feel different, but... I wish they wouldn't have dropped the King Woods gimmick. I wish they would have had King Woods go after Roman Reigns, but... Can't have nice things. So then Sheamus... You know, after the match, Sheamus, you know, was like, calls out Kofi. He's like, hey, let's get a match. You know, Kofi's like, sure, whatever. So then they cut to a commercial break. I mean, not for me. Hulu just kind of skipped it. But there was advertisements throughout the whole fucking show. Trust me. But, <clears throat> you know, they do a, uh, a match. They start in the commercial break, which would be fucking stupid for the TV viewer. Then they have a pretty solid match. Uh, Sheamus gets the win. Sure. And then they beat up Xavier Woods and they put him through a table. And then later in the show, you find out, oh, a table match next week. Of fucking course there is. And they're like, where's Butch? Who gives a shit? I'm over all of this. Um, next, we had the beat the clock challenge, which I still feel terrible for Shotzi and Aaliyah. I don't know why they got put in this position. At, like, this should have used enhancement talent, you know. So, Ronda and Shotzi are about to start the match. Charlotte comes out. Sure, she sits at ringside. Ronda and Shotzi have a match. Uh, That's how I'm going to describe it. It was a match. Sure. Shoulder shrug. She does the ankle lock. They're like, so she has more than just an arm bar. She also has the ankle lock. She has a bunch of moves. I hate when they say this one-trick pony stuff. First of all, she knows a bunch of stuff because she was an MMA fighter. But in general, she does the Piper's Pit. She does some strikes. Like, there's a bunch of moves that wrestlers do. It's like when people said that Roman Reigns only had three moves or whatever for the longest time. It's like, no, he had a bunch of moves. He did the clothesline in the fucking corner. I hate when people say that kind of stuff. But anyway... Don't worry, sometimes I say stuff like that myself. It's not that big of a deal. It's not It's not that I hate it. It's just annoying sometimes. Especially when it's, like, obviously not true. Anyway. She gets 1 minute 41 seconds. Sure. Charlotte Flair. Then is next. <coughs> excuse me. Then is next. Uh, does a nice little promo before the match starts. Ronda stayed in the ring for a long time for whatever reason. Aaliyah comes out. I fucking love Aaliyah, dude. She's amazing. Uh, They have a pretty solid match for how short it was. But she doesn't tap, so the time runs out, and then she taps. So technically, she still lost a match. But she survived the time limit. But the, like, Pat and Michael Cole were trying to say that Charlotte lost twice tonight. She didn't. Technically, Charlotte won the match because Aaliyah did tap. It was just after the time. But she did lose the beat the clock challenge to Ronda Rousey. 
And it was supposed to be an I quit match. Nobody said I quit, so how can you really call the match done? But anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. I love Aaliyah. They also mentioned that she had, like, the quickest win over, like, over Natalia. She should be put in this main event picture. I don't know why they're using her like this. I hate that they have all this talent and they're not using it properly. God, it's so annoying. So frustrating. I think Aaliyah is my favorite uh, woman superstar on um, SmackDown. I would say Sasha, but I'm not really feeling the tag team they got going on. They haven't really clicked yet, like as far as like tag team chemistry goes. They're definitely no, you know, Bailey and Sasha, you know what I mean? But yeah, Sasha and Aaliyah are definitely the top of my list when it comes to SmackDown. And Kat Cardoza, if they keep bringing her back. She was amazing, man, I'm telling you. Anyway, nevertheless, uh, it's time to watch Raw. But before I do that, i got to mention something. And I was going to mention it in the beginning, but I decided to wait a little bit. WWE made the stupidest, the most stupid decision of their lives they released Dakota Kai. WWE, you suck. That's all there is to it. You suck. They had no plans to call her up. They didn't know what they were going to do with her. Like, yada, yada, yada. So she made it clear that she wasn't going to resign... You know, maybe there was other reasons that she wasn't going to resign. I have no idea, but I'm not having any creative. It's probably high on that list. So, WWE, you suck. You don't know how to book superstars and treat them right and give them creative, good creative. You suck. You're boring. <sighs> All right, got that off my chest. Oh, and then the finish of SmackDown was stupid. So Charlotte gets upset. Then she beats up Drew Gulak. I hate all of this. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. This is not a good story for Drew Gulak to be a part of. It's just dumb. All of it's dumb. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm so annoyed. Just frustrated. <sighs> Again, I apologize. It's going to be like a shorter... Probably going to be a shorter episode this week. Um, and... If I mention anything else about the show continuing during the Monday Nitro segment, disregard it. I pre-recorded it with the intention of doing In Your House, uh, Raw, and Nitro February 19th. But that's not going to happen again, like I said. So, you know, it is what it is. I apologize, but just don't have the time to do it this week. Next week... We'll pick it back up, I promise. Alright, let's move on to Raw. Okay, so Monday Night Raw, May 2nd, 2022, starts off with the Bloodline coming out to the ring. Uh, Paul Heyman does a short little promo, pretty good. Roman Reigns grabs the mic, does his acknowledge me shtick, and as they're basking in the acknowledgement, um... RK Bro comes out of nowhere, delivers RKOs to the Usos. Then it takes timing is off. They 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 should have had Drew McIntyre come out quicker, but he took his time. It was awkward. RK Bro leaves the ring for whatever reason. Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, they go fist to cuffs for a bit, and then the Usos show back up, and then the RK Bro get in, and then it becomes a brawl. Then they go to commercial break and they finish the brawl during commercial, which was terrible like who who paces this show like it's just fucking ah, annoying but overall the segment wasn't bad uh, it helps set up the pay-per-view but honestly I'm just not interested <clears throat> this would have meant more if they would have done a Drew vs. Roman Reigns right after Wrestlemania instead of waiting until last week anyway um, next we had, uh, 
Ezekiel showing up to the Street Profits backstage. They talk a little bit. They have pretty good chemistry together. Uh, the thing about the Ezekiel character that I don't care for is, like, he just looks out of place. Like, he looks awkward to be there. Like, he's not really comfortable being the character. Like, I wish that he would just dive all the way in. Now, granted, they're kind of doing the, you know, I'm I, I'm the younger brother of Elias. I'm new here. My name's Ezekiel kind of shtick, which I guess sort of works. But I think it's time to, like, move past that. It's been a couple weeks. You know, it's time to get him just feeling confident and stuff like that. Especially if you want him to be like a Randy Savage. He's got to have more charisma than that. You know what I mean? Like a lot more. So, uh, anyway. And as they're talking, they're about to do uh, a toast. You know. The uh, Alpha Academy and Kevin Owens shows up. And they're just like, you know, saying like how he tricked the lie detector test. They figured out a new way. Yada, yada, yada. I'm not gonna lie to you. I actually enjoyed this segment. It was really fun, um, and apparently there was a six-man tag match up next. <coughs> I didn't know if that was said before or if it just happened. Just because it doesn't matter. And the match was great. It was a fun time. Um, Gable got the victory over Ezekiel with Kevin Owens interfering. Uh, it was all good and set up well. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was good. It was good stuff. Yeah, it really was. I enjoyed it. Next, we had... <sighs> Shit. What was next? Alright, I'm not going to be able to remember the exact order of everything, so I'm just going to kind of speak, and hopefully everything comes to me by the end of this. And by the way, I watched the Hulu version, so there's probably a bunch of stuff that I missed out on, like all the 24-7 title stuff. If they did anything, I'm not too sure. Oh, I think it was Ms. TV, so it brings out Ollie, and actually it wasn't too bad. Um, overall, it was fine. Eventually, um, Theory comes out, and then he's like, championship contenders match but it's going to be a handicap match and so sure it was a fun handicap match for the most part and uh, <coughs> obviously the Miz <coughs> excuse me I don't know what the hell is happening uh, the Miz in theory got the victory over Ali uh, they're probably still going to do a feud with him in theory which I'd be okay with, but you know, honestly, I think as a tag team, the Miz and Theory actually makes a pretty good tag team. I thought they were really solid. Uh, Ciampa comes out, and I don't know why they dropped his first name. It's stupid. Tommaso Ciampa comes out and attacks Ollie again. So maybe that's the few they're going with. I have no idea. Um. Anyway, so. Now there's a match between AJ Styles and Damian Priest. If Styles wins, Priest gets banned from ringside. Uh, and they have a very solid match, as always. Styles got the victory after he got the victory. It was a surprise roll-up, so after he got the victory, Edge started you know, attacking him and stuff like that. And then Finn Balor comes out to make the save. And so gives AJ Styles like uh, some help in this feud between Judgment Day. Okay, so a couple things. Uh, before the match, Edge cut a promo. It was a good promo. Um, yada, yada, yada. But they're calling themselves Judgment Day, which is awesome. Dope name. I enjoy it. And I was thinking that they should be a trio at the very least. So they like bring in someone like Ciampa or whatever. But I'm not going to lie. I think they're, they'd be a great tag team. Edge and Priest. Like I think they'd be a great tag team. So, honestly, if they don't add another person and they just keep it the two of them, I think I'd be okay with that. Like, I really would. They'd be a solid-ass tag team. But anyway, uh, so that'll happen, yada, yada, yada. Cedric the... Uh, Cedric. Cedric Alexander uh, shows up to our backstage to MVP with Omos 
and he's trying to become, he's trying to get MVP to be his manager again. MVP is like I moved on. But the way he talks about Shelton, it's like I, I thought they were still a tag team. I'm so fucking confused what they're doing with Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. I, I'm just just too confused. They literally have no direction. It's just so fucking weird. Um, but he has a match with Bobby Lashley. Omos and MVP are going to watch the match, yada, yada, yada. So that match happens. Uh, it's not a bad match, but it does more to showcase dominance from Bobby than it does to actually like help Cedric's case uh, or anything like that. I don't know. MVP cut a promo. It wasn't too bad overall. Yada, yada, yada. Not a bad segment. <clears throat> okay. Oh, there was a Becky Lynch promo or interview backstage, which was pretty solid. Talking about Asuka. Like, I gifted her my title. She said, or, you know, she was supposed to become a warrior when I became a mother. I held up my end. She didn't uh, hold up hers. Like, it was actually really well done. Really, really solid. What else did we see? What else did we see? Uh, Seth Rollins appreciation night, I guess, is what was happening. Cody Rhodes comes out. They have uh, good back-and-forth promos. And then uh, a back-and-forth brawl where Cody gets the upper hand. Good segment. Uh, And then we had... The main event was a six-woman tag match. Lynch, DeVille, Ripley versus Morgan, Asuka, and Belair. I didn't see a promo for this at all. This literally came out of nowhere. But it was a pretty solid six-woman tag match. Uh, A lot of times having six, you know person tag matches they could be difficult um but this one was actually really solid i I felt like i I did enjoy it more than i was expecting to um so it was a good main event but it doesn't really set anything up so they're still like sort of continuing the deville and bel-air feud which i don't feel like should be the feud so this is how i see it out of the six competitors in the match it should be what the fuck did it go Oh, well. Anyway, um, for the title, it should be Bel Air and Rhea Ripley. Like, that should be the feud for the title. Morgan and DeVille should be a tag team, and they should be going after the tag titles. And then Asuka versus Becky Lynch is fine. I don't feel like either of them can really afford a loss, but if any of them can, it's definitely Becky Lynch. Because you could sell the story that she's, um still making her way to rock bottom you know where she thought she was there but she keeps on losing like like kind of what they did with cena where he went on like that losing streak and then won the rumble and then he faced rock for the second time and won the title and kind of got his career back on track or whatever they could tell that story with becky lynch right um so yeah I feel like Morgan and DeVille would be a great tag team together. Like, I think they would really be a good tag team. But, I don't know. That's how I see things should be, but it is what it is. Um, But like I said, overall, not a bad match. I just don't believe the Rhea Ripley versus Liv Morgan feud. I, I don't believe it. I don't believe in it. I don't believe it. You know what I mean? I felt like them as a tag team was good. But as far as a feud goes, like, Ripley just destroys Liv Morgan and then, you know, move about your day. Like, that makes sense to me. But uh, whatever happens, happens. I'm okay with the outcome. Sure, it is what it is. Solid main event. I'm not going to lie to you. As far as, like, the show goes, it was a solid-ass fucking Raw. Like, I enjoyed all of this week's Raw. Like, when the weakest segment is Ms. TV... You got a pretty fucking solid show. But that's out of this hour and a half. I have no idea what extra stuff happened, you know, on the live broadcast. So my opinion might change because of that, but I have no idea. Uh, I haven't watched Wrestle Talk's Raw review, so I don't know. They always go over everything that happened on Raw because they watch it live. I don't. 
But yeah, I thought it was very solid, man. Really, really solid. Um, honestly, recreating like a faction for MVP with Omos being like the the top dog or whatever. So I would say bring back both Shelton and Cedric. Um, and then maybe even somebody else, you know? Like, I feel like that would be a good thing to do with MVP. They needed some more factions in WWE. Or just, like, a big faction with, like, one person being, like, the manager. <coughs> Excuse me, like Paul Heyman. But Paul Heyman's doing the Bloodline stuff, so keep him there. So, like, MVP would is, is a good choice. You know, have him just employ a bunch of people kind of like how Jimmy Hart did back in the day and Bobby the Brain Heenan and some of the you know great managers I mean the more that I'm watching Jimmy Hart now like doing the Monday Night War stuff I I I forgot how annoying he was but back in the day I liked him as manager now when I listen to him I'm like fucking shut up dude but (laughs) nevertheless uh, I think that'd be kind of cool to have. Like, I think that's what's missing in, you know, today's day and age. You don't really have just, like, a solid manager who just employs different people. Like, um, I don't know. You always just have somebody that's with one person. You know what I mean? Or one team. It's, it's, I don't know. Anyway, that was Raw. Uh, as far as... This week, SmackDown vs. Raw, it definitely goes to Raw. Raw was the much better show. Much better show. Yeah, so pay-per-view is this Sunday. <coughs> oh, shit. Is this Sunday. So, uh, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah. Next week... We might not do Raw and Nitro next week. We might just do In Your House 6. I I just remembered, you know, because we got the pay-per-view this weekend. I don't know. I'll make that decision next week when I when I go sit down to start recording. SmackDown, the pay-per-view, Raw, yada, yada, yada. I'm going to watch In Your House 6 for sure this week just to have that ready to go. And if I have time to watch Raw and Nitro and stuff like that, then I'll get some pre-recorded segments and decide then. But I don't know. But stick around. We got Nitro, February 12th, 1996 coming up next. But after that, that is going to be the end of the podcast. I know I said it a couple times already, but I just want to run that point home as much as possible. And... uh Enjoy it, and then I'll see you next week. Enjoy the pay-per-view this Sunday, May 8th. Okay, so Monday Nitro, February 12th, 1996. Remember, this is the only uh, show this particular week. Uh, Next segment we have is Royal Rumble, 1996, and then we have two Raws. And then uh, the final segment for Monday Night Wars this week will be the uh, Nitro of February 19th. Um, Now, this Raw, I don't really have too much to say. Not uh, a whole lot went on. They did more wrestling than anything else, which is always a good thing. But uh, the first match is Savage versus um, uh, Hugh Morris. It was a pretty solid match. That's all I can really say about it. Uh, It wasn't too bad. Macho got the win. I hit a couple of elbow drops at the end, and then uh, he went up top to do a third one, but it was after the match, and so they were doing a whole thing like, yeah, you're right, I don't want to keep beating up Hugh Morris, I want Ric Flair, yada, 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 to set up their, or continue their feud slash set up next week's title match, um, which we'll get to later in this podcast. Uh, Next was Loch Ness Monster versus um, Scotty Riggs. And they were supposed to use this more like a squash match. And, like, it wasn't a bad squash match, to be honest with you. But they had one, like, blunder that didn't look great for Loch Ness. Um, and it's a common thing. It, it can happen anytime. Like, he missed 
or like they missed a uh, jump catch moment you know it could happen to anybody so it's not like that big of a deal but it did kind of take away from the lore that he's like this monster or whatever um also mcmichael or maybe it was heenan i don't know one of them said is he from england but like i'm pretty confident the loch ness monster like origin or the story of it is from scotland and granted, they're both part of the Great Britain, both part of the UK, but they are different countries, you know what I mean? So, I don't know, it was the 90s, so fuck, you know, it is what it is. But, um, I mean, it was okay, but it could have been a better squash match if that botch didn't happen. Um, they were trying to build him up that he was like 700 pounds and stuff like that, and I think there was like a rumor that he was like that heavy, but I'm pretty confident the heaviest wrestler to ever wrestle was Yokozuna. And I'm pretty sure the largest wrestler to ever wrestle was actually Mabel or Viscera. Because <clears throat> Viscera was 6'9", 568 or something like that. And I think Yokozuna broke 600. I don't think Andre the Giant was ever that heavy while wrestling. He was definitely the tallest. I, I think the largest wrestler to ever wrestle was definitely Andre as far as height and weight goes. But I think the heaviest or like the, I think, well, that's hard to say because Andre was definitely the tallest. Well, not the tallest, but he was definitely like, I think he was seven he was definitely seven foot. I think he might have even been seven four, like legit seven four, not just like kayfabe. I think um, it was in between those two, though, for sure. But I don't think Andre was heavier than five fifty ever. I could be wrong, um, but I know that like Viscera was like six nine, five sixty, or whatever, and like he was definitely like large. Um, Yokozuna, he was heaviest, but he didn't have that height. Like, he was actually relatively pretty short. Well, not short, but, you know, he was around the other people's heights. Um, as far as, like, other wrestlers. I think he was, like, six foot, six one or something like that. He might have been six two or six three. Six three. Um, but he also wrestled without shoes, so there, there's another thing. So, anyway, regardless. Uh, they're trying to build this guy up as supposed to be something large or whatever. I remember a lot about this guy, but then at the same time, I remember nothing about this guy. Like, I remember, you know, doing some research on him, like, within the last couple of years, even. Um, just because I don't remember him that much, and then, so I, like, kind of dove deep, but I forgot all what I've learned. Um, the only thing I remember I, I is that he, well, like, now that he appeared, he appeared on the pay-per-view, and now he appeared here, like... The, the memory of looking him up and doing a little bit of research on him is there. I just don't remember anything that I read about him, <laughs> if that makes any sense. But uh, it was an effective squash match, but it could have been a better squash match if the botch didn't happen. That, that's all I can really say about it. Next, we had a Conan versus, uh, I want to say Danger Devin Storm. I'm pretty sure that's his name. I didn't go back and look because it's not that important. Uh, this was also supposed to be a sort of squash match, but they were also uh, making it seem like, you know, Devin was, or Danger was on his tight, so we'll just call him Danger. They were making sure Danger was also seen as a new star, like a new wrestler. So it wasn't the same type of squash match in the sense it was just some jobber that we know of. You know, if he's never seen again, then so be it, but like, at the time of the taping or like the, the you know match or whatever they were trying to build him up a little bit like they even like said like we have new stars coming in and here's a new star you know danger i'm pretty sure it's devon storm but whatever so danger so he faced conan um, and they had a pretty pretty solid match as well for the, for what it was uh, it wasn't anything spectacular but it wasn't bad either uh conan's great conan's really great i don't know why he didn't get pushed more man I mean, he got pushed like crazy in Mexico, but he could have been a huge star in the USA. Like, I mean, he could have been on the same level as, like, some of the other top stars that got pushed, you know? 
He had the look. He had the wrestling style. He could talk on the mic. And then when he finally, like, got into his gimmick, like, K-Dog and stuff like that, like, dude, fucking out of this world, man. I don't know why. Alright, Conan used to be, like, one of my favorites growing up. Like, especially after he joined the NWO and he started, like, saying, Yo, let me speak on this. Olale. I used to yell back, Olale. He's like, Alina Rasa. And then he would always be like, he would continue on. He's like, yo, we bout it, bout it, and we rowdy, rowdy. I used to yell rowdy, rowdy with the crowd. I fucking love Conan, man. I think my favorite Conan was definitely the first iteration of the Filthy Animals with that with the theme song, Psycho. I always thought he rapped on it, but the more that I look it up, the more it seems like he doesn't rap on it. Like, it always says that he's, he's on the song, but... I can never... It doesn't sound like the voice ever changed. It sounds like it's just Mad One. Mad One's the other rapper that did stuff with them. They did another song that they tried to use for his theme. Like, I think during the second iteration of The Filthy Animals. The song's not bad, but it's definitely not as good as Psycho. Psycho's definitely the best. Like, Bow Wow. Wait, no, no, no. Bow Wow Wow. Yubio Yubier or whatever. That was the other song. But uh, Psycho was... Uh, dun, 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 dun. Ah, that song was so fucking dope, dude. I still listen to it to this day. Uh, but anyway, uh, I love Conan. And he should have been a bigger star in the U.S. Like, he really should have. Uh, in Mexico, he was a gigantic... He was a, gig- uh, he was a gigantic star before he even got to WCW. By the time he got to WCW, he was starring in, like, novellas or, uh, like, TV shows and all this other shit, like, in Mexico. Like, he was a huge star in Mexico by the time he even got to WCW. And I feel like they kind of mismanaged using Conan as a star power force. Um, they were just using him as they used other Lucha Libres as far as, like, just trying to get the audience to watch instead of, like, actually, like, capitalizing on the stardom that they have. But, you know, here's what it is. It was, you know, fucking... In a few years, it's going to be 30 years ago, so... No reason to dwell on it now. Anyway, um... <clears throat> next, we had... The... Hogan vs. Anderson match. It was a great match. It was pretty solid. Again, not much to really say about it. Um, the one spot that I didn't like at all was the figure four spot. Hogan does not do a good figure four. And the more I watch it, like... Flair definitely does the best figure four. He does it where it doesn't look weird. Um, I don't know why more people just don't do it like him. Like, he does a solid figure four. I want to say Jeff Jarrett does a solid figure four, but that'd be speaking without, like, consciously looking at it. Like, most time it's just me watching and it just happens or whatever. I'm not really paying that much attention. The only other person I really paid attention to doing the figure four was Miz. And he also does kind of a weird one, but since he's a smaller guy on a smaller frame, his ends up not being too bad either for, like, the style that he does it in. But the person that does the best is definitely Ric Flair. At least from, like, visual memory. Um... Yeah, Flair did a weird one. And then after the match, you know, it is what it was. Um, the post-match, like, scramble or, like, you know, brawl or whatever wasn't that bad. But the promos afterwards, when they all go to the commentator desk, ugh, those were just atrocious. Cross the board. Flair, Anderson, Hogan. Savage probably would have been okay, but he didn't get any time to fucking talk because Hogan kept cutting him off and jumping in. Like, it was just bad. Um, Yeah. And, like, now that I've been to a show, I know for a fact they couldn't hear what the hell they were saying, because you don't hear commentators when you're in the show. So, now, like, if I would have known that back then, I would have been able to tell 100% that this wasn't real. Or, like, you know, it was scripted or whatever, right? Um, back in the day, I mean, at this point in my life, I definitely thought it was all real, right? 96... Probably through 98 or 99 is when I I started realizing that it wasn't, like, 100% real. It was, like, staged and scripted and stuff like that. 
Um, it might have been through 97. I wonder if when I watched the episode where I finally realized that it wasn't 100% real, if, like, that memory will trigger my mind of when I exactly, like, if I remember exactly when I found out that it wasn't real. I know a lot of people used to tell me it wasn't real, whatever. And, uh, for the longest time, I'm like, you know, I think for a while I said, like, you don't know what you're talking about. And then eventually I was like, yeah, it's not real, but it's not fake either. And then I started, like, really understanding it. And I was like, it's not fake. It's scripted. Like, that's how you have to watch it. It's scripted. Because they do still do real things. Like, jumping off the fucking top ropes, or jumping off a ladder, or jumping off a cage, or yada yada yada. Like, that's still real happening. Slamming on the mat, that's still real happening. Sometimes hits legitly land. Sometimes, you know, weapon hits really land. Like, when you jump and they put their knees up, Sometimes you don't land properly and you legitly get knocked and you get your wind knocked out. Like, that legitly happens. So you can't say it's fake because it's not fake. Like, it's not 100% fake. Is some of the moves kind of ridiculous? Absolutely. Is some of the hits really ridiculous? Absolutely. Especially when they completely miss. Like, that doesn't help the case either. But it's all about timing and it's staged. It's, it's, uh, what do they call it? Pre. Starts with a P, but they, you know, whatever. Like, it's scripted. They are determined matches ahead of, most of the time ahead of time. Sometimes they call it on the fly and they change things up, but, you know, it's just entertainment. It's fun. That's what it is. Uh, if, you know, wrestling used to be 100% real, but it was boring. Matches would go on for way too long. And that's why they started to make it a spectacle and make it an entertainment form instead of just wrestling. Because it's more entertaining that way. And that's why it blossomed into the fucking mega, you know, fandom and organization that it is. Anyway, that's all I can say about this week's Nitro. Uh, I could go on and go on about all this other shit, but no reason to at this moment in time. We could do that always later in life. 